This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Well, I'm honored to be able to close out my message today. I didn't get a chance to yesterday. Uh, and, I, and I said that, you know, one of the things that the devil uses uh, to... As I was closing my message yesterday, I said one of the things he uses is wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. And I talked about three areas of wrong thinking. I got through two of them, and I want to close out today with the last one. Uh, the first one is that we have confidence or trust in the flesh. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I deal with a lot of people that trust in their flesh. And, 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 and you think that trusting in the flesh is sometimes spiritual. Trusting in your flesh simply means that you stay within the bounds of what you can do. If you can do it, then you don't need God. If you can accomplish everything you're about to do, then you really don't need God. There's no faith needed. And I have to reiterate the point that much of witchcraft is all about control. And that's all the works of the flesh. Witchcraft is all about flesh. It's about you getting something or someone to control your situation for you. Or you controlling your situation through something where you can stay in control, where something is in control that you can manipulate. And we do that with God sometimes. We treat God after a fleshly pattern. We think that by praying really hard that we're controlling what God's going to do. That God is going to do what I'm asking him to do. Can I tell you something? Would you get your hands off it and just let God be who God is? Trust that God knows better for you what you need than you know what you, than, than you, know what you need. And find a promise in the word, but you don't manipulate God. You cannot manipulate God. How many of you know that your prayer and fasting doesn't change God? That's changing you. Hopefully as you pray and fast, you're aligning yourself with what God wants. Does that make sense? Some people think that by their prayer and fasting, that they're, they're twisting God's arm to do something for them. God's already got thoughts towards you that are good and wholesome and he wants to bless you so uh, but the flesh wants to be in control the flesh wants to control everything the flesh moves by fear it doesn't want to risk it doesn't want to put itself out there and so that's when flesh takes over flesh begins to dominate you that's how you miss opportunities then we talked about God's not a socialist that's really talking about a covetous spirit and we talked about the minas and the talents and doing something with what we have in our hand, doing something with what we have already. And uh, again, you know, if you have this entitlement mentality that, hey, I'm a Christian now and God owes me something, or, you know, I remember when I first got born again, I couldn't understand why I couldn't walk in the bookstore and just take a Bible because I'm a brother now. Hey, I need a Bible, and I'm a Christian. So you should just give me one, because praise God, we're all brothers, right? And yet you have to go to Kingston's, and you have to buy books. But at the, at the Christian bookstore, you're supposed to give them away. How many of you ever had that mentality? You thought that, hey, I'm a Christian now, you should give me everything. Yeah, praise the Lord, you know, I'm, I'm a brother now. Well, see, the point is, you're deceived. And that's 
Do you think that God owes you everything because you're a brother? No, 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 no. There's still the law of seed time and harvest. There's the, the, there's, there, there are laws. The gospel's free. But how many of you know that getting the gospel to you costs money? How many of you know that the preaching of this gospel I can't charge for? And we don't charge you. These conferences are all free. But by your offerings... Guess what? We get to pay for the lights. We get to pay for the seat you're sitting in. We get to pay for the building. We get to pay for the cleaning. Now, I suppose we could go and just sit out under a tree. But wouldn't you rather sit here in nice chairs and have... Well, then contribute. You contribute. You see, you have to understand that we, we're all part of this. And so we, 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 we all put our faith together. We say, hey, I'm going to contribute to the greater good. Does that make sense? And so as your faith grows, guess what? You begin to see value in things, and you understand that anything that has value is worth investing in, is worth sowing into. Now, I'm shocked at how many Christians, they say, oh, we just love action, but well, do you give towards it? No. Do you ever sow towards it? No. Do you ever get involved in it? No. We just come, and we are entitled to take everything without reciprocating. Because you're a socialist. You think that the church should provide everything for you and you have no responsibility to provide anything back to the church. You think that, well, but see, you grew up in a government that says, we'll provide everything for you. We're gonna, we can solve all the problems. We can take care of every major business. We can take care of every peristatal. We can... T- give you free education and free health and free everything. How many of you know that it's not free? How many of you know there's no such thing as free health? Somebody's paying for that. So if you believe that everything comes to you because you're entitled to it, because you're a Zimbabwean or because you're a Christian, you have a misnomer. You have a wrong thinking. And that wrong thinking will keep you from prosperity. Because it keeps you from understanding that, wait a minute, I have a responsibility to grow the economy of my nation. I have a responsibility to pay my taxes. I have a responsibility to see that it's governed property, that it's stewarded property. I have a responsibility in my church to make sure that when I pay my tithes and offerings, I attend the AGM and make sure that my church is funding and doing the things right. You know, we have a handful of people that attend the AGM. Now, that may be a tribute to us that you think we're doing a good job. And I'm not saying you have to attend an AGM. You may think, hey, we believe that they're doing a good job. But you know, if I'm, or maybe it's because you just don't put any money in the offering anyway, and so you don't care where the money goes. You just, (laughs) but can you understand what I'm saying is, if you're engaged, you begin to understand that there's a value to things. And then if there's a value to you, there's, 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 there's a response to that. You know, to be honest with you, some of the principles that you learn from this platform, if we were to rework them all and put them into a secular, kind of a new agey principle thing, you'd come and pay hundreds of dollars to hear what we're teaching you. Some people would pay hundreds of dollars to get these principles that we teach. And that's all these new age guys are doing. They're just getting out there and they're taking principles and they're working them and they're fancying them up. And they're, but 
can I tell you something? We're giving you the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're giving you the truth. And we're going behind those new age things. And it's not the law of attraction. It's the law of Christ in you that causes things to come to pass. And, and, and we're giving you the real grassroots stuff. And we're exposing the deeds of darkness. And we give it to you freely. Amen. But when you... Amen. But once you see value in it, then as you mature... You say, wait a minute, I see value. And instead of us having to charge you, you say, no, no, I want to be, because I've been benefited, I want to sow my life. I want to sow my seed. I want to sow my time, my talent, my treasure. And and, and so we have to come to a place where you mature and you understand that there is nothing for free. Now, we don't mind paying for and carrying some of you as you grow and mature. But as you grow and mature, it should come to a place that you say, oh, my goodness. I want to sow. I want to grow to a place that I have enough to give into every good work. Do you follow what I'm saying? Now, this is just dad talking today and kind of instructing you, if you don't mind. So then we moved into the third point that I didn't get to last night. And to me, or yesterday morning, this, to me, this is the, probably the most exciting of all three of the points. And it's not serving God or not serving from God's goodness. See, one of the things that we do is we get this wrong thinking and we serve out of a wrong mentality. In Matthew 20, verses 1 through 15, Jesus tells the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. You know this. Don't, don't, don't put that up yet. I'm just, I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, he tells the parables, uh, the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. And uh, you know the story. Uh, the owner of the vineyard goes out early in the morning and he hires some people. He makes a contract with them. And in verse 2, let's put up verse 2. Let's see what it says. Verse 2, he says, he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and they sent them into his vineyard. Everybody say, he agreed to pay them. Now, By the very nature of that word, they agreed to work for him. Is that correct? There's an agreement. You agreed, I agree to pay you, you agree to give me a day in my vineyard for a denarius. Is that correct? All right, so I just want you to understand. So this is the setting for the story. After that, he goes back out. And this is at 6 in the morning that he hires these guys. So at 6 in the morning, he sends them into his vineyard. And the Bible says he went back and he saw other laborers in the third hour of the day. Well, the third hour of the day is 9 a.m. So at 9 a.m., he goes out and he says, I'm going to hire you. What, what are you standing around for? Here, go into my vineyard. And then he does it again at the 12th hour of the day, noon. And then he goes at the 9th hour of the day, which is 3 in the afternoon. And then he goes at the 11th hour, which is 5 p.m., just before knockoff at 6 p.m. And he hires all these laborers. And now I want you to notice the conditions of the hire of all those other laborers. If you read through this, I don't want to go through it, but the same line comes up each time he hires them. And, and remember that he contracted the first guys to work for a denarius for the day, right? But the, the, all the others, look at verses 3 and 4. This repeats itself after each time he hires them. He says, it says this. 
And he sent them into his vineyard. He says at about nine in the morning, he went back out and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. Now, wait a minute. There's no agreement here for a denarius. There's no agreement for anything. He says, I'll pay you for whatever is right. So the first guys get an agreement for a denarius. These guys get, hey, I'll pay you whatever I think's right. Whatever's right. Each guy is working for what is ever right. I want you to understand something. This is the difference between transaction and relationship. Between fear and trust. Between exacting what you think you deserve or trusting in the goodness of God. The first laborers worked for an agreed contract. All of those who followed worked for whatever is right. They had to trust the goodness of the owner of the vineyard. We trust you. So whether we work for six hours, three hours, or one hour, the last hour of the day, we trust your goodness. We trust your goodness. Now, of course, this is a picture of God. And his people. Jesus is showing a picture of the heavenly father, the owner of the vineyard, and his people. Now, I've seen believers trying to serve God on the basis of binding agreements. Walking around cars, believing, confessing, declaring, bless God. And, you know, they're holding God to his word. And, and, and they, have a certain, they, they have a certain amount that they're believing for by a certain time by faith. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't honor that. I believe he does. I believe that God honors our faith in any way that it is manifested. But to be quite honest with you, I learned a really long time ago to trust in his goodness. To just trust him. Uh, I can't tell you the last time I ever prayed for anything for myself. I just don't. I, I, I'm praying for other people. I'm believing for everybody else. I just, and, and I'm out laboring in this vineyard, and I'm serving, and I'm giving, and I'm doing all I know how to do. But I, 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 I just can't tell you what I've ever said, hey, God, now listen, here's what I need. No, my attitude shifted a long, long, long time ago that, hey, it's no longer what I need. I'm just trusting. I trust you'll take care of me. Now, can I tell you something? It's embarrassing sometimes. How when you trust God, how he takes care of you. When you just trust in his goodness. I've had things happen. I just say, I don't deserve that. Man, I, I, it's unbelievable. How many of you How many of you believe that God is a God of abundance? Really? How many of you believe that he is generous to a fault? Do you believe God's generous? Really? How many of you find yourself shifting yourself and trying to trust or trying to believe him from a position of legalism? See, here's what I've noticed that 
a lot of the faith preaching that we grew up with kind of got legalistic after a while. You know, bless God. You know, I, I remember watching guys go out in our parking lot and walking around a guy's car seven times. <laughs> bless God. Bless God. Bless God. Praise God. Tap him on the shoulder. What are you doing? I'm believing for this car. This is my car. Right? Praise God. You can walk around a car seven times. You can walk around my car seven times. That ain't going to be your car. That's my car. <laughs> Amen. I'm not giving my car to you, okay? No matter, you can walk around it 70 times. 70 times, seven times. It's still not going to be your car. You're just going to wear out a pair of shoes. That's all I can tell you right now. And you can shout till your heart. See, there's some things that we kind of do in our immaturity that... You know, and, and God will put up with it for a while. God, God will help you with your faith. He'll, he'll, he, you'll be amazed at what he does through transaction because he's trying to grow your faith. But how many of you know that God's not really interested in the transaction nearly as much as he is in your relationship? You know, I, I'm working on a project, and I've been working on a project for three years. And, and here's the thing. When it started out, most of the guys that we started with were involved in a transaction, and it had to do with money. It had to do with transfer of wealth and all kinds of stuff. But as we've gone, you'll be surprised at how many people have fallen by the wayside because the transaction didn't work the way they wanted it to work. And, and, and the more transactional they got, the more transactional they were, the harder it was for them. And then those of us that have stayed the course, it's amazing how... Less and less of the transaction are we interested in, more and more of the relationship with each other and with God we're interested in. To the point that right now, I'm really not interested that much in the transaction, but I'm excited about what God has done and the networks he's created and, and the platform he's created and the possibilities that have emerged, whether or not that transaction ever comes to pass or not. Because I'm not trusting in riches. I'm not trusting in mammon. I'm not trusting in what God can do for me. I'm trusting in who God is. His goodness is more important than his, the transaction that I'm involved in. Can you understand what I'm talking about? But until you mature, and I'm going to tell you, throughout your walk with God, God just takes you to different levels, and he's trying to help you get to a place where you trust him. Think about it. The one who worked all day, 12 hours, the Bible says, bearing the burden of the work and the heat of the day, got the same wage as the one who worked for one hour. Now just think about it. Let me put it another way. The people who worked for one hour ended up earning 12 times more than the people who worked all day long. Can I tell you what? That is a picture of the difference between working legalistically and under grace. So look at this. Verses 10 and 11. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. Now you know what happened. 
the owner took the guy who worked for an hour and gave him a denarius. He took the next guy and gave him a denarius. He took the next, the next group. All the way up to the guys who started. The guys who were hired first expected to receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Look at verse 15, 13, 13 through 15. But he answered one of them, Am I, I'm not being unfair to you, my friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? One version says, or is your eye evil because I am good? So here's what I want to talk to you about today. The spirit of covetousness. Is your eye evil because God is good? I think we have a problem with covetousness in Zimbabwe. See, God is looking for people he can entrust wealth to. I believe that God wants to give you such wealth that when others see it, they're going to have a problem with it. In fact, I can tell you that's what's going to happen. Have you ever, ask yourself this question, have you ever been upset by someone who has had a blessing that you couldn't understand? Anybody? Did you ever get upset with somebody who got a blessing that you couldn't understand? Hmm? How many of you have ever seen somebody blessed you couldn't understand their blessing? And you're upset about it. Why? That's right, because you're a socialist. You think you should have the same thing, but not do the same work that they did to get it. You think you should have the same thing that somebody else has. Why? What's the reason? Because you're a believer. All believers should have the same, right? No. Not all believers work as hard as, you, as, as I do. Not all believers labor in the word and in prayer like I do. Not all believers trust like I do. So why should you have what I have if you're not going to do what I do? But you think because you just run to the altar and you deserve something? We're all equal, right? No, that's not how God said. Give according to their ability. Give according to their faith. And faith, by the way, is not an emotion. Faith is an action. Now, there's a place for God's grace. Give according to their trust. And God, this is the dichotomy with God. There's a place. We see it here. But how many of you know that God blesses people and we can't understand it sometimes? Have you ever thought that maybe they might have a revelation of the goodness of God that you don't have? While you're judging the situation, while you're maybe even judging them concerning the blessing on their life, have you ever thought that it might be because of your transactional approach to God?
don't become judgmental about someone else or the way they handle money. God is the judge. You know, I'll never forget that there was a time in my life where I grew up in the faith movement. And uh, the faith movement, I believe, in my life, I felt like they had an overemphasis on financial prosperity for personal material accumulation. Okay? So I was hanging around the big boys. And they would talk about the new jets they're buying. And the, you know, or the cars, the Cadillacs, and the things that they're driving. And I began to get a little bit judgmental. I'm over here on a mission field. We don't have two cents to rub together. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. They're talking about, you know. I mean, I'm with one preacher, and he's buying socks that cost $75. And he's buying a tie that costs $200. And I'm saying, do you know how many people that could feed in my (laughs) refugee camp? And I'm getting a little bit agitated. Isn't that what it's about? So the culture works out of fear rather than out of faith. If your eye is evil, it judges everything. And covets everything. Here's what covetousness does. I can't tell you how many times I've worked with my brothers and sisters in Zimbabwe. And you go into a project together. And instead of there being goodwill... There's always the law of the hand. You know what the law of the hand is? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? And as long as there's something in it for me, I'll be in the deal. But I will never just bless you and let you be blessed and put a connection together for you unless there's something in it for me. And if there's nothing in it for me, then I don't want you to have it either. In fact, I've seen people that would sabotage their brother because they couldn't have something. They would rather have nobody have something than for you to have something and me not to get anything. Tap your neighbor say, have you ever met anybody like that? Tap your other neighbor saying, is he talking about you? <laughs> now tell your other neighbor back again and say, no, he's really talking about me. That's me. Because that's a spirit in our nation. That's a spirit in Zimbabwe. If, 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 if a government minister can't get a cut, he'd rather not let the project go forward in the country. We know that's true. How many businesses, how many investors have come and because somebody couldn't get a bribe, a backhand, a cut, well, oh, that, that, why? Because it's an evil eye. And we don't trust in the goodness of God. See, if you trust in the goodness of God, I know this, if I help you and I get you blessed, what goes down comes around. I know this. If I got somebody, I, I, do you know how many people I've made millionaires in this country? Do you know how many people I've made millionaires? 
By teaching them, by guiding them, by counseling them, by telling them, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Come here, let me show you a better way. Structuring their businesses, structuring their lives, helping them. Did I see a scent? No. Did I want a scent? No. Did I deserve a scent? Probably. (laughs) If the truth be known, I've been a pretty good business consultant to quite a few people. Save them fortunes. But did I demand it? No. Did I get jealous? No. Was I envious? No. Did I, did I have an evil eye? Never. Why? Because my trust is not in my ability to make a deal. My trust is in the goodness of my Father who is in heaven. And if he blesses you because you, in the last hour, get 12 denarius, or get a denarius, and I've been working in the heat of the day for 12 hours, and I only get my denarius, hey, I am an unprofitable servant. I got what I deserved. And yes, sir, what would you have me do next, sir? Because I trust your goodness, you're not going to let me down. How many of you have that attitude? I don't think so. I talk to many of you that have a wrong thinking about this, and you're destroying your family. You're destroying yourself because of envy, bitterness, judgment, criticism, holding on to things of your past. All right, tap your neighbor. Say, I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> he's on some rant up there. He, I have no idea what he's... I think he's missed it by 100 miles. Don't you think he's missed it? Come on, have a conversation amongst yourselves. I think our pastor's gone crazy now. He's talking about covetousness. He, he doesn't know our culture. He doesn't know us. If you are judgmental about other people and the money that they have and the finances they have, it is really more of an indictment against you than it is of them. You see, you're having a problem, a problem with how blessed another person is. If your eye is evil because God has been good to someone else, how evil is your eye? Here's the amazing thing to me, is that if God blesses one of our brothers or sisters in the Lord, and they do it righteously, people get offended. But if a government minister steals us blind, you're falling all over yourself to be around that guy and try to rub up against him. Oh, you see how rich he is? He's got a 51-bedroom house. Ooh, ooh, he's powerful. Really? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You see, we have a screwed-up value system. covetousness we need to repent because I tell you as long as you have those values as long as you're judging with a natural eye as long as your eye is evil it'll almost be impossible for you to see the goodness of God you're, you're, you're putting yourself in a, in, a, in a very very 
invidious position. You're putting yourself in a position where it'll be very hard for God to bless you. See, this is what happens. And, and I'm going to take a minute to just talk about what's happening in America. The African-American community, in many cases, because they have put themselves in a place for entitlement in some cases, because they've become victims, and they were victims. But the fact is, if you live as a victim, if we keep living in Zimbabwe because we were under colonization, and that because of the colonials, as long as you keep yourself in that position, or you deserve something because of liberation, or you deserve, guys, as long as you keep yourself in that position and you're judging, you are held bound by your judgments. You're held bound by, by, by you're, you're still under your colonial masters. You're still under those slave drivers of 400 years ago. You're, you're, you've put yourself bound instead of breaking the shackles of that and saying, no, 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 I'm in a new kingdom under a new king, under a new rulership, and God can liberate me in spite of the system. Because some of you, although you were under colonialism, are now under a form of totalitarianism, nationalism, that has bound you just as bad as your former masters. How many of you are still oppressed? It's an oppressive system that we live under right now. Don't kid yourself. Every five minutes, there's another police roadblock. An extortion that takes place at the hands of the police. An extortion that takes place at the hand of civil servants. An extortion that takes place at the hand of everybody in every office because we don't have a government that runs efficiently or, 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 or right. Now, if you get bitter, if you get jealous about that, if you get angry about that, you're bound by that system. But if you rise above and say, wait, 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 there's a goodness of God, I'm not going to get bound by it. You can break the shackles of it and you live above the law. You live in the law of liberty in Christ Jesus, not the law of a land that's oppressive. That's where you can say, if the, if the policeman says, carry my bag two miles, one mile, no, go two miles. Go the extra mile. It's oppressive. It's not right. But guess what? We don't, I'm not going to let you have me. Bless God. You're wrong. I'm going to tell the policeman, you're wrong, this is wrong, but how much do you want me to pay? But I'm going to tell you, in the name of Jesus, what you're doing is wrong. And you know it's wrong, and this is defiling our nation, and I understand that it's a bad system, and I'm going to give them a lecture and pay my fine. And I may give them an extra $2 to say, hey, I want you to know something, but you heard my message. Guys, we, we've got to become proactive, and we can't be bitter, we can't be angry. And I've been angry, I've gotten upset. But I realize it's a snare to me, it's a snare to our nation. It's also a snare if you do nothing. If you just, and it's even a bigger snare if you're just paying the bribes. I will object all the way. I understand, some of you say, the only way I can do business... I don't know what your conscience tells you, but I would be objecting the whole way. Say, I'm paying this because of your extortion. This is not a bribe. This is extortion on your part. You're extorting this money from me, 
But it's the only way I can keep my businesses alive is through your extortion. But I want you to know I don't approve of it. I'm not inv- I don't want to be involved in this. But because you're an extortionist, because you are, you're taking this from me, and it's the way that business is done, I'm doing it. But I want you to know I have a formal objection against it. I have formally objecting against you. I think you're a crook. And you call yourself a Christian. You call yourself a believer. But you're just a part of the problem. You see, if we are going to trust in a benevolent God, we've got to also be a proactive voice in our society. And it's time for the church to rise up. I'm not saying you can't pay that bribe, but I tell you, you don't pay it as a bribe. You call it what it is. It's extortion. I tell the policeman, I said, you're extorting money from me. I understand you're extorting money from me. They pull you over. They look at all your, everything. You've done everything right. And now they open the car door of your back door. They say, there's no... <laughs> That's extortion. That's just to get $20. By the way, I have a policy change I'd like to offer for the nation. Why don't you just put a red triangle on the front of my window? That means I pretty much got everything in compliance. I'll pay $200 at the nearest police station so you just let me pass through every roadblock because I paid my $200 already. Because that's what it's about. It's It's not about really the fines. It's about paying their salaries. But because the system is so broken... They'd rather do it through extortion and waste all those guys' time extorting money so they can keep their their jobs than doing what policemen are supposed to be doing. Because the system's broken. It's corrupt. The system's broken. But we'd rather patch it together and pretend that we have a system than fix it. And it's that way in every, every facet of our government. Is that true? Well... I don't think we can fix it by keeping feeding it. And what it's done is it's created a covetous spirit in our nation. To where when people work for a living, people are covetous of the person who really gets paid in an honest way. And they feel somehow that those who earn honestly owe them something. Never more evident than in the halls of legislation, who all they can think of is another way to get two more percent tax, two more percent on the cell phone bill, two more percent to pay for the ever-increasing government and the ever-decreasing fiscus. It's a broken system. I'm not saying we don't pay that. We pay our taxes. We pay everything that they extract from us. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's, render to God what is God's. But it doesn't mean we have to agree with it. And it doesn't mean that we call it, what, we don't call it what it is. Some of this is extortion. When I've paid my taxes and I still have to pay the civil servant to do his job, that's extortion. When I've paid my taxes and I still have to go repair the road in front of my own house, that's extortion. Do you understand what I'm saying? But call it what it is. Let's not pretend. And let's not become covetous of somebody else. And if you're involved in this covetousness, repent. And let's turn to the one that can solve the problem, which is God. And let's trust the goodness of God.
Let's trust the goodness of God. Do you think God couldn't break in on this? But nobody's calling upon God in Zimbabwe except the church. But then the church is so fearful to say anything. You don't have to be afraid. What are you afraid of? Do it with a smile. Yeah, I'm here to pay my bill. Well, it's going to cost you $20 for you to pay your bill. Why? Because I can't do my job unless you pay me. But you're being paid by my taxes. That's okay. Wait in line. Okay, I'm going to pay the $20. I'm going to pay you the $20. But I'm going to tell you right now, I think this is extortion. You're extorting this money from me. I don't agree with this, but I'm doing it because you won't do your job unless I do it. What church do you go to? Oh, you call yourself a Christian and you're going to extort money from me. Ah, but it's the only way I can get paid. Okay, but you're still an extortionist. This is wrong. This, this is wrong in our country. Now, I know the system's broken, and, I'm, and, 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 and I understand even the Christians want to get paid. You understand what I'm saying? So he says that, there's, that, the, that the police get 77% for their coffers of everything they take out of us. Well, that's not a bad deal. I don't know if that's true, but the fact is, something's happening. Or you wouldn't have five roadblocks on, from here to my home every day. Amen? I, mean, I could understand one, possibly, to the ID check my car, but five? And it's not just the police. I'm using that. That's the most egregious. That's the most egregious in our country. But it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's become systemic. Would you please look at your own eye first? Are you jealous? Are you angry when somebody gets blessed? Are you judging when somebody gets blessed? Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.